Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Nicole Byer, who you will recognize from literally every television show currently out right now. She is a household name, a hilarious person, a delightful human being to talk to, and we have a lot of fun today talking about big things, small things, penises, you name it, we've talked about it, and, um, you know, you only get to hear it here on Hijinks. So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hijinks. Forever. Dog. everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by comedian, actress, television host, podcaster, and author, as well as just someone you have seen on every single TV show at this point. It's Nicole Byer. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Jinx. <laughs> I like. I. I feel like. Uh, you know, we've had you on. I'm forty percent podcast. My sister podcast, um, a companion piece, <laughs> and I think that's how I introduced you last time. You've seen Nicole or heard her voice on literally every television show <laughs> that exists right now, and I've yet to be proven wrong. So. <laughs> Yeah, she's working. She's working hard. Um, and it's fun. I'm having a nice time. You seem to be having a nice time. And <laughs> I'm having a nice time watching you have a nice time. I've got to I've gotta say, I'm going to start out right off the bat with one of my guilty pleasures is the TV show American Dad. And I really love this show. I've seen every episode at least three times. Uh, I, I, I don't feel the need to defend myself, but <laughs> um, if I'm correct, uh, you were on an episode where Stan and Fran's seen by a trophy store and then Stan buys the pickle store across the street <laughs> and then it becomes a trophy store. Was that you or am I conflating yes, where I bring pickles to a trophy store. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Yes. It is always a special delight for me as someone who watches, um, you know, 60% of what I view in my life is animated. So it's always a pleasant surprise when a character walks in and, oh my God, it's Nicole Byer. Um, it's happened on countless animated shows. Bojack Horseman, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, The Simpsons, Tuca and Birdie, American Dad, Archer, and the new Rugrats. Um, yeah. What's your favorite part about voiceover work? I don't have to wear makeup. Mm -hmm. I don't have to have my hair done. Mm -hmm. I could show up literally in sweatpants. <laughs> um, I just have to have like a warm drink beforehand. Um, and it's just, it's fun. Like you get to go a little bit bigger than you do uh, when you're doing live action. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's always fun. And they're always like, what voice do you want to do? And you go, oh, well, I was thinking this one or maybe this one. Um, one of my favorite characters I get to do is, um, I mean, that I get to do often, or not often, I, I recur on the show. It's called Big City Greens. <laughs> and I play this um, little purple girl named Andromeda. And her voice is just so fun to do. Um, yeah, I just, I love her. I'm not familiar. Can I he hear a taste of Andromeda? Uh, let's see. Andromeda, Tilly, <laughs> Tilly, that's not what I'm going to do. No. <laughs> so it's just like an ornery uh, <laughs> little girl who she's also like really bossy. And she like she's like, there's lots of conspiracy theories everywhere. <laughs> and she, it's just like very uh, like punctuated and mm -hmm. like in the back of my throat. But then up high, mm -hmm. I, I like playing kids. 
I I just absolutely love it. I have much less um, voiceover experience, but I always say it's like getting to perform in drag without having to do any of yes, the drag. That's exactly um, what it is. And I love being in drag, but I hate getting into drag. So anytime yeah. I get to be Jinx Monsoon without having to put on her body, <laughs> it's always a coup for me. So, but. You're not limited to voice acting work. You're literally everywhere. And you also have a few shows that you host yourself, um, including yes. Nailed It. And, yes. and now you're co-hosting Wipeout with John Cena. Yes. <laughs> he is a dream. It's really funny because I get to work with two very different gentlemen. Mm -hmm. uh, Jacques Torres and mm -hmm. John Cena. Opposite fucking ends of the spectrum. But what are you then talking about <laughs> <laughs> you're right. They're physically the same. <laughs> but there's like a Venn diagram where in the middle it's like so kind, so professional, mm -hmm. funny, charismatic, and then just like really nice to me. And mm -hmm. like sometimes things happen on set that like things are moving fast, something is misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Both of them will like go, wait, Nicole, are you okay? <laughs> Did, was that change okay with you? Are you? Do you like that? Like they just, they're uh, very concerned with me in a way that's like caring and nice. Where sometimes women, I, or women identifying people sometimes uh, get talked over or mm. ignored or whatever, but they, they'll amplify my voice on set, which is like a really, really kind thing. Um, I, I mean, I, I love watching you on both of these shows. I don't know. I know that there's um, some um, some turmoil with Nailed It right now. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about. Um, we um, don't have to talk about it. We can just cross our fingers and hope for the best. <laughs> I, I hope they reach a deal to where everyone is happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I support unions. So that's my stance on it. Absolutely. Um before there were these, um, uh, these, um, do, are, do they count as reality shows? It's about reality. People baking cakes, people yeah. wiping out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But before I was exposed to Nicole Byer, the, um, the TV host, my first introduction to you was the show Loosely Exactly Nicole. Ah, yes. And um, I remember... I think I brought this up on the other Cute. podcast. Oh, Kazoot. <laughs> I have the worst sneeze in the world. No, it's you so weird. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they sneeze. Do you know how Michelle Visage sneezes? No. This, this is Michelle Visage in a nutshell. This is a Michelle Visage sneeze. Uh, ah! <laughs> That's literally how she sneezes. It's insane. That is so so funny. You are right. That is Michelle. That is Michelle in a nutshell. Just one quick yelp. Oh my God. Um, I love that. Loosely exactly, Nicole um, was just such an amazing show. Um, your performance in it is wonderful. I, I mean, I fell in love with you through that show. And it's also a show that promotes and celebrates uh, uh People that don't get a lot of celebration, or at least at that time, there was not a, an abundance of celebration <laughs> of, yeah. of the bodies that you celebrate on that show, of the archetypes that are celebrated on that show. Even your um, gay best friend on that show does not fit any uh, any mold of the gay best friend we've ever seen on television before. Mm -hmm. Brilliant show. Um, gone too soon, but thank you. It absolutely introduced the world to you, and now she's taken over television. People, <laughs> well, thank you for being one of six people who watched. <laughs> I, I like. I. It bums me out truly. To I'm still salty about mm. <laughs> the lack of promotion that MTV gave it. <laughs> um, I do think. I mean, it wasn't like revolutionizing television, but it was like. I don't know, it was a black fat woman lead who bounced around and fucked who she wanted and never was like, whoa, what was me? I'm fat. And you're <laughs> right. Uh, Jacob Waisaki, who's not gay, but played gay on the show, um, is also a body type that, you know, isn't really represented in the gay community. And, you know, you can have an argument that it should have been played by a gay man. Yeah, maybe. An yes, sure. It should have. Um, not how it went down. But uh I do like that he was a different body type and 
we did see him chase men. And I think there's maybe one or two episodes where we see it like in full swing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm really proud of it. I, and you absolutely should be. And on that topic of, you know, yes, absolutely. Queer people should be playing queer roles. But what I liked, I didn't even know the sexuality of the actor, but what I like and what I can say that I still absolutely like, um, even knowing that he's straight, is that he's not playing a gay stereotype, you know? No. Um, he 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 read as believably gay to me, and it well, wasn't swishy and lispy, and it wasn't a straight man going like, <laughs> it wasn't James Corden saying like, uh, this is how gay men act, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, I think it's because I have a lot of uh, straight identifying male friends who uh, have feminine aspects and qualities and and not even feminine, just like softer. They're just a Mm. little softer than like traditionally masculine men. And I think he just brought that feminine quality into the part, but he stayed really true to himself. I also don't want to speak for him, but Mm. like he, he'll just be like, girl, tell me what's going on. Like, I just, (laughs) that's just like him. He's just like, tell me. Like, I just, I don't know. I love Jacob. He's so wonderful. Um, Yeah. I, I think he played gay without disrespecting and stereotyping and yeah. pulling out weird tropes and whatnot. Yeah, I, it, it felt like an, uh, a very unique performance. And um, like you mentioned, um, you know, it was a show that showed um, a, a, a full-figured black woman getting lots of dick. And I don't know that there were, um, I don't know that there even still are a lot of sex positive representations of large bodied people, you know? I mean, not really. (laughs) I'm like trying to rack my brain and yeah, you just don't see it often, which like doesn't make sense because I'm like, I mean, some people don't fuck. That's their prerogative. Uh, You know, I fully understand that. But a lot of people do. And Hmm. I don't understand why that's not represented in the world. Because it's like, okay, so maybe you don't think that body's okay, but like somebody else does. Everybody is beautiful to somebody else. Everybody. And I have to say, as, as a queer, trans, femme, white person... I related to your character, you know, completely different demographics, completely different <laughs> life stories. But I felt like, yeah, she's getting lots of dick. I get lots of dick. And I'm sure people aren't thinking that, you know, this mm-hmm. milf is walking around getting lots of dick. But God damn it, sure I do. And I, I, I just I felt empowered by watching you. Get lots of dick and thank um, you. And it was so prescient because I binge watched the entire season in a hotel room in Honolulu <laughs> in, a, in, in a small bout of depression. Oh, no. And then it was not very long after that I went to DragCon. I didn't have a booth, I was just roaming around DragCon rogue. And you and I bumped into each other. Yes. And I couldn't believe my eyes. You were dressed from Harry Potter. (laughs) And you said my name. And I couldn't believe you knew my name because I was such a big fan. Because I thought you did so wonderfully on Drag Race. And I just found you to be so endearing. And I was like, Jinx Monsoon knows my fucking name. This is so nuts. Uh, It was delightful. It was delightful. It was also like, um, it was a surreal experience. And, um, you know... I, I won't look a gift horse in the mouth. Mouth. I was just excited to meet you, but um, we were in the middle of DragCon, and as soon as... <laughs> if a drag queen stops moving at DragCon, uh, you have to stay in constant motion yes. at DragCon, otherwise yes. a line forms and a circle forms around you. So here I am meeting someone I'm a, a, a fan of, someone I'm admiring, and so, like, <laughs> my mind is blown to see you out in the wild. And as we're like talking and saying hello, people are starting to gather. Yes. And we're like trying to ignore it, but also like. <laughs> but like be nice about it. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, that's what the fucking thing is. Dragon is, you're Absolutely. there to meet people. So you can't just be like, excuse me, I'm having a different meeting. I cannot meet you. And it's like, well, I paid an entry fee. I would like to be. Yes, of course you are. You are right. <laughs> I've met quite a few goddesses at, um, at DragCon just completely like 
I can't believe it. Like, Marsha Gay Harding just, like, walking up to me and saying, hey, Jinx, it's me, Marsha. And I'm like, I know who you are, Marsha. Um, Elaine Carroll, who's one of my favorite, Elaine Carroll um, originated uh, Very Mary Kate, which is a web series. on College Humor. She's wonderful. Um, and she was in disguise at DragCon as, as I think, a little old man. That's and hilarious. Somehow I recognized her. And, you know, we got to have the moment where I was like, you know, when I did that Mary Kate moment on uh, on Drag Race, it was it was not Mary Kate. It was very Mary Kate. <laughs> and those who know, know. <laughs> oh, my. I fucking love that. Yeah. That's so, that's so, oh, I love how magical DragCon can be. I don't think I'm going to go this year, though. I'm a little leery of uh, lots of people in one space. Yeah. Still. You know, I mean, me, me as well. Um, it, you know, it's this, it, we're at this tricky time where it's like, is the pandemic over because we said it's over or is it over because it's over? But um, I also know, you know, drag queens, like all live entertainers, you know, we've had a rough couple of years. Yeah. So if there's if there's a way we can do it, absolutely find yeah. a way to make it work so that so that you know, so that these drag queens don't starve to death. It's, it's going to be a Sarah I mean, McLaughlin. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the arms of the, yeah, exactly. of an angel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. I'm very, very lucky and fortunate that I have other means uh, of mm-hmm. income. But like if this was if this pandemic happened 10 years ago, I would have been fucked mm-hmm. because touring was my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That was that was how I was making my money. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I empathize. So while I while I might have reservations, I'm in full support of finding any way that we can get back at it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I will go just like, maybe I'll just wear a mask. I, I you know, uh, candidly, I was just talking to Rachel Bloom <laughs> just an hour ago. And um, uh, we were talking about how hazmat suits might be a trend alert this year. LOL. At, like, <laughs> and, and she took it up a notch and she said, imagine a hazmat suit, but with the ass cut out. And I was like, there you go. That's I mean, drag right <laughs> that is, that is drag. That's so funny. You'd want to wait, find a way to seal it still so that the ass can be I was just about out. to be like, that's the perfect, like... It's like a, I feel like it's perfect drag, but also like a perfect like social commentary that it's like, what are we all doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what the fuck are we all doing? Okay, so you're in the hazmat suit, but like, mm, shit's seeping in because it's not sealed up. Um, You know, and if there are any furries going to drag con this year, I think they're already mm. like, they're already pretty well set because I don't know why furries keep coming up in my conversations mm. lately. Maybe, maybe this is a, a kink we're going to, Explore? Well, I, I've talked about it. I do have a kink where I would like to one day be dressed as Little Red Riding Hood and get fucked by a big bad wolf. Okay. So if that makes me furry adjacent, it then does. hell, I'll take it. You know? I, it, I think it does. <laughs> I like it. I don't know what a, like, a kinky, kinky thing I want is. <laughs> I also think a lot of people um, from our generation are just furry adjacent, having grown up with uh, Disney movies, you mm-hmm. know? Like Teletubbies and Bananas and Pajamas. Do you remember them? (laughs) They were just trying to come down the stairs. I, oh my gosh, this is so off topic from anything we're talking about, but I was just talking with my husband about Bananas and Pajamas (laughs) because somehow we recently realized they're kind of wearing, oh, this is so dark, but the Bananas, their pajamas kind of look like what sure, people in absolutely. the Holocaust the, in the yes. concentration camps had to wear. So it's I a wonder little if, like, was that intentional? Was it a commentary? Was it an oversight? I think it, I honestly think it might've just been an oversight. <laughs> but also, I don't know. Sometimes you read about things, you're like, oh, this was supposed to be like that? Okay. So... <clears throat> I guess I'm. I'm guess I'm wondering: Are the bananas canceled? Or uh... oh no! Well, yeah, uh, let us know. Are the bananas and pajamas canceled? Let us know. You can email us at jinxandnicole at gmail.com. No. <laughs> So 
so before you were on every single TV show, um, I, I see in my notes that you have experience in improv and sketch comedy yes. and stand-up. So what was life like before Nicole Byer was a household name? Life was like... Um, I moved to New York City right out of high <laughs> school. Um, I started doing improv, I guess, at 21 at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, which is no more, sadly, but they do have a venue in L.A. that might open. I don't know. We don't know yet. Um, I started taking classes there, started performing there, started doing... Um, I was like on Herald Night, which is like the house improv teams. I started doing sketch with Mod Night. That's the house uh, sketch teams or whatever. And then um, I started touring. Like we had a tour co. So I'd go to weird colleges and do improv for students who said, I never once wanted this. Please let me finish my orientation. Um, and then <laughs> I like came back from one tour co. And my manager at the time was like, hey, you got an audition for this thing called Girl Code. Guy code is a thing. Watch it so you can see what the show is. And I was like, okay. And I watched it. And I was like, how the fuck are they going to, what is this? Do I just talk at the audition? And yes, that's what the audition was. It was just like answering questions. And then it that kind of just snowballed into <laughs> other opportunities. Um, yeah. And that's how I got the show at MTV because they were like, what do you want? And I was like, what do I want? Nobody <laughs> asked you what you want. I was like, a TV show that I star in, and it's a comedy. And they were like, all right, let's try to develop one. And I was like, what? It has never happened again in my life. <laughs> so so Nailed It wasn't, wasn't your idea? It sure wasn't. So the production company is called Magical Elves. They asked to do a meeting with me. During the meeting, they were like, okay, here's our uh, like pitch deck that we pitched to Netflix. Um, it's picked up for a certain amount of episodes. I can't remember how many. Uh, we're looking for a host. We want someone who's like not mean. And I was like, I've never hosted anything before. And they said, oh, that's fine. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then I had a talk with my manager at the time, and I was like, should I do it? And he's like, I don't see why not. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, okay, that was like rather easy. But everything else in my life I've had to work hard for. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I uh, what I love about your hosting style on Nailed It is you will straight up just laugh at people, just laugh in their face. <laughs> but your laugh is so infectious and your personality is so lovely that, you know, no, I don't, unless unless there's some behind the scenes drama where someone felt personally attacked that we never saw, it really does <laughs> seem like everyone's having a really good time, even when they create um, absolute monstrosities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as seasons go on, people, you know, they get the game. You just have to be mm -hmm. the best of the worst. But the those first couple seasons were really fun because we didn't really know what the show was and people would make these things and you'd be like, oh my God. And then <laughs> like, there was a couple times where I looked at someone in the eyes and I was like, you're a grown adult. And like, this is like, you made this and I'm an adult who has to now eat it. And like, we're just like, this is, I feel like a kid again. And I feel like that's kind of, or at least for me, that's the spirit of the show where it's like, oh, I feel like, like, a, like, kids will make garbage and then, like, give it to you and be like, isn't that nice? And you have to go, yeah. <laughs> my my favorite um, recurring line that you say, I, I, I could make a drinking game out of it. I don't drink anymore. Maybe I'll make a, a, smoke, a weed smoking game out of it. But my favorite is when you take the bite of the cake and it's your turn to say what you think about the cake. And it oftentimes starts with, you know. I like your cake. <laughs> I just I don't know why that simple line really stands sticks with me, but well, I like, like your cake. Because <laughs> Jacques will say something very poignant, and I'm just like, I don't know, wasn't that bad for me? And then sometimes I like weird shit where he's like, Nicole, no, and I'm like, what do you mean? Isn't that bad? <laughs> and of course, I feel um, I do feel like we might be the same people from alternate timelines within the multiverse. Um, but uh, Wesley, who looks mm. like adult Simba, um, <laughs> uh, the way you playfully objectify that man, I'm like, well, there, you know, there, there it is again. I completely. <laughs> 
Well, it's funny because some people are like, you are sexualizing and objectifying a PA. And I'm like, well, he is the AD. He's the assistant director slash like stage manager person. He's the one who's like, Nicole, get on the floor. Nicole, get on your mark. Nicole, sit and go. Say your lines now. So he's like bossing me around. And I guess I didn't know him well enough. So I was like trying to figure out how his sense of humor was and like how Mm -hmm. I could play with him. Um, and it's truly morphed into more of like, I'm an annoying like little sister that he has never once asked for. <laughs> um, but he's, he's also great. I'm surrounded by some like really great people. Yeah. He like, I'll be like, if I look upset in any sort of way, he like, will like put his body in front of the camera and be like, talk to me. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, he's great. I, he's wonderful. Well, and, um, you know, um, uh, I just feel like there's so many context clues. Like, if this would this man come back for each episode <laughs> if he truly felt like he was in danger? Or it, I have to imagine there was some form of mutual consent um, <laughs> behind yeah. the scenes. I don't think you just randomly started objectifying this man <laughs> and that he goes to work every day, you know, like, I feel like there would have been a discussion after a couple episodes yeah, if that be wasn't like, you gotta something that down. worked for you, too. <laughs> and I've told jokes that, like, didn't make it on air where I was like, yikes, hey, Wes, was that too far? And he'll be like, no, Nicole, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I also have said for years, um, I don't do uh, much as much audience participation in my shows these days, but one of my past shows, The Vaudevillians, a big part of the show is bringing a man up from the audience Mm -hmm. and doing a lap dance on stage, getting consent every step of the way, but then also, you know, like, you know, teasing typically a straight, attractive man. And my, Mm -hmm. my rule is, I think that straight men can handle being objectified for once. <laughs> I think I think if I think if the role was reversed, yes. I wouldn't want to watch that. But me personally, I'm like having grown up watching women be object- objectified my mm-hmm. whole life. I'm like I think this man can handle five minutes, you know, of being I teased. Also, agree with that because people have, you know, tweeted at me and said if the roles were reversed, it would be everyone would be mad about it. And I was like, yes. Uh, yes if the roles were reversed it would be upsetting but i'm like but or maybe it's subversive where the response is just like i don't know different like do you know what i mean like it's like it 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 depends on the situation i'm not god i'm not gonna (laughs) dig a hole for myself no no i I think i see what you're saying it's like if that was the dynamic where Say I'm the I'm the AD. I'm wheeling it in. The host is like, "Oh yeah, bend over." I could turn around and be like, "Yes, I will bend over because that's <laughs> how you put it down," <laughs> or something. I don't. I think there's like a especially if you know the person. There's a like whenever I do Conan, and that's like put on YouTube. People are like, "She really takes it too far." Man, she makes Conan uncomfortable. And I'm like, "What you're not hearing is a conversation that we have as we're going to commercial where he's like, "Ah, oh, man, I love that." that you said that because then that foiled what I was saying so I can play into being, um, you Mm. know, uptight or whatever. And I'm like, there's a balancing act and... I don't know, maybe there's somebody out there who's like, Nicole, take it too far with me. And if I did, I apologize. But, like, I feel like these people I have a rapport with, so it's okay. I I mean, I think that's why I say context is everything. But I also just want to say to anyone who said to you, if the roles were reversed, guess what? They They were. They have been. They've been the entire time. So, I mean, you know, not (laughs) say... I just think context is everything. I 100% believed if this man felt uncomfortable, I'm sure there would have been a conversation yeah. along the way. You wouldn't get three seasons deep. <laughs> <laughs> have know? dinner with him and his wife. Like, it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think people just like to... I don't know. Everybody has something to say about everything. I'm reminded of this conversation I had with Dulce Sloan on this very, po- on this very podcast. <laughs> Um, where we were talking about the performer, Aparna Nancharla, um, who voices a young white boy on the show. Mm-hmm. And Dulce has been, you know, like, you know, has had people ask her, like, isn't that racist that this this person of color is voicing a young white person? And she said, nope, it just isn't. 
It just isn't. It isn't. It isn't. <laughs> it just because isn't. it's like, wh- what? <laughs> Until it's like even now that there's enough people of color represented in cartoons, okay, maybe we get mad about it. But it's like, there's been cartoons literally in the last couple of years that are like, all right, are white actors going to step away from the role to let a black person do? And it's mm-hmm. like, you shouldn't have taken the part in the first place. Like, just let black people represent black people, let people of color represent each other or themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a show um, where I saw, I was doing ADR for it and I saw my character animated and I was like, well, uh, no, she's white. Why? <laughs> and they were like, whoa. Uh, be- uh, and nobody had an answer. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I don't have to always. They said, Nicole, you can't just <laughs> ask someone why they're white. <laughs> they were like, oh my God, you can't just do that, Nicole. That's wrong. But, uh, it was everyone was like really quiet because it was a show where like you could have a black person on it so why not animate the black person voicing it for them to be black mm. and then there was like a, a hush some whispers and then the next time I, I sent a like an email an apology and then a picture of how they changed the character and I was like okay thank you I just it's like when things like that Stop, but don't happen anymore. Then it's like, then white people can voice whoever they want. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. And I think it's, a, for me, um, and I, <laughs> now, uh, here we are, uh, we've been talking about Wesley and <laughs> this <laughs> relationship dynamic for so long. Um, but yeah, I feel it's very similar. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't feel the same if the roles were reversed, you know, if the roles were reversed, it would be something we've witnessed for ever. For forever. And instead we're subverting that trope and seeing what it could be like on the other side. And like I said, you're three seasons deep. I'm sure (laughs) Wesley has enough agency um, To, to talk to you openly. So I, I, I've already talked in a, a, a few moments of uh, how much I feel like I relate to you. Um, another thing, uh, another fun fact that I know about you is that you love dicks. And, I do. And it's not just that you love dicks. It sounds like you have a true appreciation for the subtle complexities and nuances between um, the various dicks that exist in the I world. I do. <laughs> I love a circumcised. My favorite is an uncircumcised. Mm-hmm. But those people need to clean them dicks. <laughs> and sometimes I worry about that not happening. Um, yeah. And in my youth, it used to be like, doesn't matter who it's attached to. I just want it. But now, <laughs> as I get older, I'm like, oh, I guess it's got to be attached or honestly not even attached. It could live in a drawer and come out at night. Um, The person's got to be nice. They have Mm -hmm. to be nice to me. Um, Otherwise, it's like, okay, this is good dick, but uh, boy, bad conversation. Yeah. Uh, Bad feelings. I feel I feel proud of myself for getting to a place in my life where I feel like um, uh, I, well, you know what it is? It's sobriety. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's, not being, it's not being an alcoholic that uh-huh. I'm at a place where I don't find myself sleeping at, with as many people just for the dick. Um, yes. There has to be a, 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 yeah, like you said, conversation has to take place. Yeah. There has to be a mutual respect there. Um, whereas it maybe, is maybe in my youth, yeah. I sat on some dicks attached to some not so great uh-huh. people. <laughs> Yeah, I drink less than I did in my early 20s. I was telling someone about how I used to have um, car booze, just like a box of airplane (laughs) bottles of booze in my car. And they were like, why? And I said, oh, just in case. And they were like, just in case of what? And I was like, hmm. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe she was drinking just a little too much in her youth. And uh, I just spent a lot of my 20s wasted. So, like, I didn't have time to vet people. I didn't have time to, like, really consciously uh, choose to be in things with people. I just fell into things. (laughs) But I will say I got dicked down pretty decently in my 20s. And I I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think twenty your 20s are for, you know, a, a little bit of sleeping around, a little bit of drinking too much. And that's and that's how you learn who you want to be in your 30s. Yes. yes. I, 
I do want to advocate um, for my husband who is uncircumcised and say that I think there is this stigma around, I think it's a very American stigma around Mm -hmm. uncircumcised penises in the conversation of cleanliness. And I don't think it's a cut versus uncut thing. I think Uh -uh. it's a person to person thing because I have experienced circumcised penises that, that don't nasty. smell good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it really depends on that person. Um, so uh, I'll just say as an advocate for my <laughs> my uncircumcised <laughs> husband, foreskin does, it does not a smelly penis make. <laughs> I agree. I very much agree. I was just, uh, sometimes you got to pull it back. Because I, I, well, actually, I've encountered smelly, uncircumcised, and circumcised. Yeah. So it's just, you got to wash that body. I mean, in ge- I mean, in general, yes. I always say, you know, take a shower, but don't scrub your armpits too hard for me, okay? Because um, oh, I like that smell. A little stank. <laughs> I like it, you know. I, I, I like a... I my favorite thing about like when you date someone after a while is like the smell that they leave because you're like oh my goodness my blanket smells like you so I could just sleep with the blankets if you <laughs> I I had a bit I didn't let the when my husband and I first met and he spent the night in my hotel room I did not let the um, the room cleaners changed the sheets. I put the do not disturb because he left his scent. And I was in, I was immediately, I don't know. I just knew I was in love with him the first, the first time we spent any time together. And that pillow and the sheets smelled like him and I wouldn't let them change it because I was just like, I want to have the smell in my life more. Um, I love that. Sorry, Michael, if your ears are burning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's just so sweet. Love is a sweet thing. It it is. I, I feel like I had gotten just at the point where I felt like I was jaded enough that I was giving up on ever, you know, I was like really loving my single life. And mm-hmm. that's the moment you, sometimes that's the moment you meet the person. Um, another fun fact I know about you is that you love oversized things that you take oh special God. delight in like an oversized set piece, an oversized proper. Um, I love <laughs> Things that aren't supposed to be big. I once <laughs> cried, cried full actual big wet tears in a restaurant because the serving spoon was so big. <laughs> I loved it because it wasn't supposed <laughs> to be that big. Um, I also love teeny tiny things. Mm-hmm. Like uh, my friend's drink the other night was uh, given to her with a, a clothespin that was really tiny. And I screamed because I liked it so much. It's still in my purse because I <laughs> I need it to have it. Uh, yeah. There's just something about something oversized, like oversized chopsticks and oversized fork, mm-hmm. anything uh, oversized paper clip. Willem has uh, an oversized like camping chair that I'm obsessed with. <laughs> I just, I love big things. <laughs> I, I've i got two things um, to tip you off to. One is uh, talking about teeny tiny things. Um, uh, one of my friends from college, one of my best friends, Jesse and I did a scene from keeping, uh, no, uh, we did a scene from uh, the importance of being earnest mm-hmm. as the as the two ingenues, and um, we did the entire thing with just really wretched British accents. <laughs> but all of our props were teeny tiny, so when we oh. were like reading in our journal and showing each other pages from the journal or like having mm. tea, everything was teeny tiny. Our favorite I thing to do. Fucking love that. Maybe I'll get a teeny tiny tea set. A teeny tiny tea set, and um, that was just a precursor to let you know that there is a website where you can write a letter to someone, and then they will, um, they will make a teeny tiny letter, and then mail it in a teeny tiny envelope <gasps> to whom whomever. It comes in a big envelope, and then you p- open the big envelope oh, and you pull out boy. the teenies. I and then, love that, and it comes with a magnifying glass to be able to read the tiny letter. So, what is this website? I don't know, tinyletters.com. I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll get the info for you. We'll talk about it post-show discussion. My other tip to you, in Dublin, Ireland. There, Ooh, I've never been. <laughs> now you'll have a reason to go. There is a place called the Leprechaun Museum in Dublin, Ireland. And in the Leprechaun Museum, they have a room called 
um, the giant's room. It's a very convoluted concept because the tour guide, um, at least our tour guide, um, brought us into this room and said, we have now entered the giant's room where you have been shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun. And now you're walking around in the giant's room. Feel free to explore. Now, first of all, was I shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun and this is a, a human's room or was I shrunk down to the size of a leprechaun and it's also a giant's room. So I don't well, know what how the big scales was everything. Are. So big, but there were only three things. Imagine oh. a giant dimly lit room. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Imagine a, a way too big dimly lit room uh -huh. with like one bare light bulb hanging down. And then there's a gigantic table a gigantic armchair and a gigantic table chair and I oh and a gigantic fireplace and they left us in there for oh. 20 minutes to take pictures <laughs> to take pictures but once you got one picture with each of them like <laughs> what are you supposed to do with the rest of your time in there were you allowed to climb onto the the chair oh absolutely um yeah this is for me you climb onto the chair. You could climb onto the table too, except the table was so close to the ceiling that like <laughs> you're like sandwiched between the table and the ceiling if you get up there. Um, I uh, <laughs> I have been known to truly like scream. Like I found a we were in Miami, I think, and there was just a big plant. It was a big pot, and I couldn't get enough of it. Every time we walked past it, I was like, I love this plant pot. <laughs> and then I took a picture with it, like it was like <laughs> like an attraction. There's um I wrote down in my phone, I need to return in Burbank. There's uh just big fruit on the street, and I was like, I gotta get back to that big fruit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> Another fantastic role that you played, um, one of my favorite one-time roles on the show, um, but we got so much of you playing this role in the episode that it was like, I'd love for this to be a recurring character, but at least we got a lot of it. And that is um, the male person in The Good oh, Place. Oh, Gwendolyn! <laughs> oh, boy. What a um, nerve-wracking uh, first day it was because... On our first day, it was like the whole cast in the first scene I think we shot was, um, it was like walking, walking, walking. I turn around and face the whole cast and then like deliver my line. And I was like, I have to like say lines to Ted Danson and be talented. <laughs> and I was like, and I don't, I don't know if that's going to come through. I don't know if I'm going to be fun. It was so nervous because I love Ted Danson. And it was nice because my friend Darcy, I'd been on an improv team with her for so long. Um, so like that was comforting that she oh was there. Oh my gosh, there. Darcy. <laughs> yes, Darcy Carden, who uh, plays Janet. Yeah. And uh, so that was like comforting, but like everybody else I didn't know and I like really respected them. And I just was like, okay, Nicole, just remember your lines and be funny and like hit your mark. Oh my God. <laughs> but, and it ended up being like fun. It was a very fun first day and like everyone had really complimentary things to say to me. And uh, it was such a fun show to shoot. It's an amazing show. I think I resisted it at first just because I I I didn't get it. And uh -huh. so I like, you know, I, I think I maybe watched like 10 minutes and I was like, ah, I don't get it. And then someone in my life said, no, just, just fucking watch the episode. <laughs> don't watch 10 minutes of it. Watch the episode from start to finish. Now I, I feel like that TV show changed me. To my core. I love that. <laughs> For the better. I love your performance in it. Just, I mean, what perfect casting, what perfect writing, and what a perfect performance. I just absolutely love that episode. Thank you. I, yeah, I had so much fun. And when I watched it, I was like, okay. Oh, okay. That choice was a good choice. Because, you know, you like go in, you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. And the director's mm -hmm. like this. And you're like, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was so much fun. Um. I know that if I had been in your shoes in that moment, um, yes, Ted Danson, being Ted Danson, that would be very, excuse me, nerve wracking. But to have to be in the same room as Manny Jacinto and not oh, just be boy. drooling and crying. Oh, so handsome, so nice. And like perfect line reads. So funny. Like when he's like, there was a couple times where he said his lines, and I was like, "Don't laugh, don't ruin this. You cannot, you cannot ruin a take. You gotta keep, stay in it." Yeah, perfect casting. It was just so fun. 
it was it, it it was an amazing show. And then also one of those shows that very brilliantly ended when uh, I I think it they just said we've we've written mm-hmm. the show, so we're going to end the show. They probably could have carried it on for a while, but um it yeah. really felt like they really completed the piece perfectly. It <laughs> felt thoughtful and faithful to the audience because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you could keep watching it, but also we could just like really end we could tell a full story, like a beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end, and not like shoehorn a series finale in a way where you're like, oh, we didn't know we were gonna get canceled. Oh, this yeah. Uh, I think it was satisfying for everybody. I yeah, I thought it. Uh, <laughs> um, I I could just go on and on about performances I've seen you in and how much I love them, but oh. I'd also like to know a little bit as being someone who's you are a what a two time a three time an eight time judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh boy, <laughs> how many times has it been? I think I did All Stars. Twice. I got to be there and watch uh, Trixie Mattel do RuPaul in the Snatch Game, which was, I gotta say, a choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I got to, it's funny when you judge Snatch Game uh, and you're not in the Snatch Game, you get to watch it uninterrupted and that is mm, nuts mm-hmm. it is wild because then when you see the episode you're like hmm i see how the <laughs> editing went down on that one <laughs> um yeah two and then all stars with uh i got to see alexis mateo that season with the jungle room and then um last season season 13 and then this mm-hmm. season so i think four times or five i don't know and was um how was I know I was watching season thirteen during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, was it filmed during the pandemic? I can't remember. This is season fourteen. Yes, season thirteen. Simone one that was during the pandemic. Yes, and that was uh, one of the season. Uh, it was a season where. They got a guest judge who would be there for a couple episodes yeah. because of the oh, yeah. so I, yeah, I did two of them. protocol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it was kind of fun because, um, you know, once again, I was just talking to Rachel Bloom and she was saying, when you come in as a judge, you only get to see this slice of yeah. the cast. So you don't really get to put their performances in context of who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. So I have to imagine getting to see two episodes, you at least to get to see a little bit of a trajectory for yeah. people. Wait, did I do two? I'm so <laughs> I confused I feel like you right did. Now. I feel like you did. Because... I know I did a ball challenge. Yeah, the ball. <laughs> because I got to see Lala Ree in that iconic bag look. Yeah. <laughs> Which is honestly, to date, one of my favorite outfits on Drag Race. It's camp. It's pure. I wish she had doubled down and was like, this is exactly what I meant to make. <laughs> this is it. I didn't cut um, the bags because this is this is how I envisioned it in my head from the jump. I'm a genius. <laughs> it, it was an amazing season. Um, you know, I I felt so I loved Simone the entire time. Uh, I loved Got Mick. Um and, and you know, the entire cast, just an amazing cast. But um so many, so many doors open, so many um uh, grounds broken that season. It was a lot of fun to watch. And yeah. I do believe you were on it maybe eight times. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who can remember? I mean, it is really cool to judge because it is my favorite show. So mm-hmm. like being able to be on my favorite show and like be able to beat queens and do it is just like really incredible. But I got to say, I don't understand why these queens with the snatch game do not reach out to a comic, <laughs> go to an open mic, you find someone you find funny. You can pre-write jokes. Mm. Nobody can see what's on the table. You can have <laughs> shit prepped. You know how you they tell you the challenge beforehand and you bring mm. a, a dress that, uh, that goes with it? They're asking you to bring jokes to a challenge. You can bring the jokes with you. I think um, I think what it boils down to is some people need better friends or, <laughs> or more honest friends. Because Maybe. I, I have to imagine at least in a handful of 
because there's always the queen who goes, oh, I've got this. Mm-hmm. People go nuts for my <laughs> my impression of um, whoever the fuck. And then they get there and you're like, who is going nuts for this? <laughs> what dry ass audiences have you been working your material out on? Um, yeah, so Snatch Game, it's, I really think it, it's, it's what separates the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> it, it does, <laughs> but I'm like, right. there's a way you could do it smartly and also never do someone you revere because <laughs> you can't make fun of someone you revere. Yeah, or have, or just be a horrible person because I think, I mean, I revere uh, little Edie, but at that, uh, at mm. that point, you know, like I revered her, but I also like, you gotta know what's funny about yes. her. Yes. And knowing what's funny about her is part of revering her. You yeah, know? okay, then yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking more in the vein of like, playing when, Beyonce. And when they think like, that they can't make fun of Beyonce. Yes, if you or, can't make fun of that person, then you can't do that for the Snatch Game. Or then they go in the opposite direction and, you know, they have a Kenya Michaels moment where <laughs> one of the most baffling portrayals, boy, but, oh also boy. but also iconic and fantastic. I love it because she <laughs> went for something. She went for something! If you, like, I say swing as hard as you can, and if you fail, that is more interesting to watch than you trying to play it safe and play what they think mm-hmm. they want. Mm-hmm. You gotta fucking go for it. That's how you yeah. learn. Yeah. So if I were to just free fall, um, if I were to free fall backwards uh, through your career and the last decade with um, Nicole Byer, um, I'm trying to think of what questions that have always burned in my mind. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever been sick from someone's cake? Have you ever felt physically ill after eating someone's uh, nailed it creation? Yeah, this man put uh, salt in his cupcake instead of sugar, so it like crumbled, and we were like, weird texture. And then I put it in my mouth, and like all of the moisture left my body. Oh, no. And I was like, ah! And I felt like a little, you know, when you have too much salt, you just don't feel good. So that's that's what happened to me. But I haven't been like pukey sick, Mm -hmm. but I have sped out things because I was like, this might make me sick in the long run. Um, in your voiceover work, um, have uh, uh, it, has most of the stuff you've done been just you in the studio, or have you gotten to do cast work with the casts? Um, I don't think I've ever been able. I don't think I've ever recorded like with uh, like uh. a cast of people. It's usually just like me in the booth with um, a director reading the other person's lines, or I do them three in a row. Uh, and then if they don't get what they want with three in a row, then we, we read it as a scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Seth <laughs> MacFarlane wasn't there. No. Getting the hands on. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I think there's a, a director of animation maybe who comes mm. in. Animation's so strange because like there's storyboard directors, heads of story, people who do the boards. And then that's like one side. Then you have like the animation director. I think that's what they're called. Who's the person who's directing me, or maybe that's a voice director. There's just so many different facets to animation. It's kind of wild. I am. Yeah. I, I've, you know, a lot of my voiceover work most recently has been in the pandemic. So it's been Mm -hmm. me remotely and, and directors on zoom. But um, I, also, I, I've voiced some characters on um, a show called uh, Hell of a Boss, um, written by my friend Brandon Rogers and Vivian. Oh, I know that it's, I think it's Vivian Madrano. I, I'm so terrible with names and I always feel like Same. such an asshole when I'm like bringing up something uh-huh. and, I, <laughs> and I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But um, uh, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's Vivian Madrano and... Um, the the animation director, the voice director for that is Richard Horvitz, who mm-hmm. is the voice of Invader Zim, um, <coughs> one of my favorite childhood cartoons, and he's also a voice actor on the show. So it's one of my favorite experiences because I'm in the recording studio mm-hmm. doing my lines, and then it's literally Invader Zim's voice on the <laughs> other end, and he reads all of the supplemental lines for me. Mm-hmm. So it's like... Being voice directed by one of my childhood cartoon heroes. Um, animation is just so fun. It is fun. <laughs> it is 
It's like also you just get to like be a little freer. I yeah, I really love animation. Um, Vivian Madrano, I was correct. Um, <laughs> and working with John Cena. Now, I don't typically like a man with too many muscles, but sometimes, sometimes you see a beautiful, a beautiful man who's built like a tank, and you're mm-hmm. like, you can't, you can't deny that that is a gorgeous man. Um, he's very handsome, but he's also very funny and very genuine and really kind. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, he's like, we'll be doing things and he's always checking in on me. He will remember shit from the last time we spoke, which I'm like, I can't believe John Cena listens to me. He's (laughs) very famous and very important. But uh, yeah, he's just like really great. I really love working with him. I'm so tactless because when I meet someone as uh, built like John Cena, (laughs) I I always ask the questions like, I'll point at something and be like, can you lift that? (laughs) I'll hand them a walnut and I'm like, can you crush this? (laughs) um, So I don't know. Have you, have you ever seen him do any feats of strength? (laughs) No, I haven't. Uh, I think he understands that he is valuable. Uh, So let's not do anything to, 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 to damage the valuable properties. Uh, like people are always like, are you going to do the wipeout course? He's like, are you kidding? No, I have stunt doubles on the movies I do. Are you kidding? No, but, we got to keep me safe. But and I'm like, he, yeah. Has he ever been entering the makeup trailer and just accidentally ripped the entire door off? <laughs> this is how I imagine things. Well, the first day we met, he shook my hand and he fucking broke my hand. No, I'm kidding. Imagine. <laughs> I was like, ah, no, John Cena, you broke me. <laughs> and, and and this podcast is where you chose to reveal it. And that's where I chose to reveal it, that I've he broke my hands. Because uh, I knew one day I'd do hijinks. <laughs> I have some compulsory questions that I ask every guest of mine on hijinks. Um, So it has come to the point in the episode where I ask you these compulsory questions. Okay. Question the first. Yes. Who is your celebrity crush today? Today? My celebrity? (laughs) (laughs) Who is my celebrity crush today? Um, There is a man who was in... I don't even know his name. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> um, he was in the last, uh, oh my God, Purge movie. No, not the last one, the one before. Hold on. Purge. <laughs> we, the way we've looked up things just secretly on our phones throughout the I episode. think it's the first Purge, because it's not Forever Purge. <gasps> Is it Michael Pitt? Oh God! No, no, cannot... that's that's the what? No, that's um the intruders or the invaders or the neighbors. I believe it's <laughs> Yolan Noel. I don't know if I'm Yolan. saying his name right. L or it's Y apostrophe L A N. Elon. Elon. Is it Elon? John Noel. Okay. <laughs> okay. I yeah. I don't know how to print. I don't know. See, I don't. I'm terrible. I should have learned how to pronounce his name before saying it. <laughs> But he's so fucking hot to me. Um, also, her name is Jody something, and she's married to Pacey. But she's, well, I guess I shouldn't describe her. She was in, um, God, she was in that movie that I really liked with, what's his name that I really liked? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a great job. Jody, do you know who I'm talking about? I think. Aparna Nonchurla is what you're looking yes, for. Yes, <laughs> Aparna Nonchurla, mm-hmm. who I do love. I love Aparna. I oh my gosh, have you have you watched um, uh, the standups on Netflix? I have, and I watched hers. Amazing, she's um, fantastic. I have only seen every female comedian on mm-hmm. um, the standups because I typically that's the only comedian I like watching is a female comedian. <laughs> There's very few male comedians where I'm like, he's saying things that I like to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a part. Yes, Jodie Turner Smith. Jodie, who I was Smith. thinking of, she's so pretty. It's like haunting. Um, 
uh, do you have an appreciation for the 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 feminine form or of course you... women are beautiful i think uh, everybody is beautiful i don't know your sexual preferences other than you like dicks um but um I, you strike me as someone who's probably uh, tried a little bit of everything. <laughs> Listen, she's a slut. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I don't choose to ever label myself. Mm-hmm. I don't identify as queer. I don't identify as like straight. I think I'm just Nicole and whoever Nicole ends up with is who Nicole ends up with. Would you say you're a, loosely exactly Nicole? I'm loosely exactly <laughs> Nicole. My pussy is loosely exactly not. <laughs> Picky. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I, you know, sexuality is fluid. Um, my my go to crappy cheesy drag queen joke is when I meet a straight man in the audience. I say, "Oh, you're straight, so spaghetti till you get it hot uh-huh. and wet." <laughs> but I'd also like to say, as a trans femme person, you know, uh, if uh, if straight means you don't have sex with um, queer people. Uh, then no one's straight anymore because the amount yeah. of straight men I've slept with at this point. Like... Yeah, that's why I don't like putting a label on everything because I'm like, but then labels are important to some people. They're just not to me. Same with like pronouns. Like uh, it's hard to like joke about because it is so important to people, but mm-hmm. I've been called sir so much and it doesn't bother me because sometimes on a plane I'm wearing like a sports bra. I don't have big titties. Uh, my hair is short a lot of the time when I'm traveling cause I'm not wearing a wig and you know, I get a third. I'm like, that's eh, okay. As long as you bring me my vodka soda, everything's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, you can call me whatever you want. Yeah. I, I, I mean like, you know, being a 34 year old queer person and having a lot of friends from older generations and a lot of friends from younger generations, mm-hmm. it is very interesting because there's people in all age groups who feel all different kinds of ways mm-hmm. about pronouns. I know older people who pronouns don't matter. Fuck pronouns. I know older people who are like, I fought hard for these pronouns. Yeah. I know younger people who are like, uh, you know, uh, um, just don't want to be anything, want everyone to be label free, but then also Mm -hmm. see the importance in, you know, like, um, uh, when when you have to fight to for, to live your truth, of course yeah. you're gonna want to be called by the pronouns you worked hard for, mm-hmm. you know. So I just think we all have to have as much patience as we can with each other. And Kate Bornstein, who's one of my favorite authors on the discussion of gender, says everyone gets to make up their own words yeah. for how to refer to themselves. No one gets I to decide so. for someone else what what words to use for them. Next question. That was a long time on Celebrity Crush. <laughs> oh, and I never said mine. Today I'm going to go real basic and I'm going to say Timothy Chalamet. Okay. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. I just I just watched Dune and goddamn if that is not one of the most beautiful little twinks. I can't wait to see I've him. never seen Dune. I've never I I, what have I seen him in? I've seen him in something. He is a little cutie. <laughs> and he's going to play Willy Wonka, and um, mm. which is set me up for this fantastic joke that I'm very proud of. Of You know, I can't wait to see Timothy Chalamet play uh, Willy Wonka because I want to see him take it in the chocolate factory. Um, <laughs> so stupid, but I'm not giving it up anytime soon. I don't think you should. I don't think you should have to. <laughs> that is your joke. <laughs> Next question for you. Um, are you spiritual? Um, uh, I think there's like things out there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know about like a God in particular, but I also don't want to say that there is no God because I'm not trying to get smited if there is. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't know what the universe is. I don't know what, it, I, I don't know. I just, I know there's more than us. I yeah. refuse to believe that like we're just here and there's nothing else. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, um, you know, I've heard all the sci-fi theories about whether it's plausible or not. And I'm like, do we have to know? Like, Mm -hmm. we've got so much going on on Earth. Yeah. Can we focus on our own problems (laughs) before we spend too much time pontificating? Um, My final question for you is, what is your go-to karaoke song? I'm really bad at karaoke. I can't sing. I don't have any like rhythm or anything. 
But last time I did karaoke, I was on mushrooms, having the time <laughs> of my life. Um, <laughs> and I sang uh, She's Like the Wind. And mm-hmm. as I was singing it, this woman, this old woman crossed. And I was like, you are the wind. But I don't know if it's because I was just on mushrooms. But uh, that's what I... That's what I uh, that's what I sang last time, and then share. I, I sometimes will do share, even though I know she's hard and mm-hmm. has the range, and I do not. <laughs> What's your go-to share song? Do you believe in life after love after love after love? I feel something. <laughs> it's also been my ringtone for the last decade, but not the chorus. A little uh, bit before no the chorus. Hell, <laughs> you can put me uh-huh. um, I have been doing a joke of very stupid. I love I love Cher. I think she's a goddess. I actually love her a lot more as an actor than as as a musician. But that's interesting. Blasphemy. <laughs> it's partly just because I I I don't like as much. Uh, I like her. I like her old school music. Okay. I'm less into electronica, so I like I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Um, but one of my oldest standing jokes is like, I don't do share impressions because it always degrades into a basset hound. And then I sing, <laughs> Do you believe? <laughs> it entertains me endlessly. So it's very funny. I do like it. <laughs> ah, thank you, Nicole. I, I I tend to trust your opinion on these things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Nicole Byer, thank you so much for joining me today. Do you, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Anything you want the listeners to know about that we haven't already touched on? Um, I guess the listeners could know that I have other podcasts. I have Why Won't You Date Me? I have Best Friends with Sashir Zameda. I have Newcomers with Lauren Lapkus. We're going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's really hellish. Um, and then I have 90 Day Bay on Patreon with my friend Marcy Jarrow, where we talk about the whole 90 Day franchise. Um, Grand Crew is a show that is on NBC. We just had our season finale. Hopefully we come back for season two. You can catch up on Peacock and Hulu. And I, I will say this. It builds up in the last three episodes are so much fucking fun. So I say stick with it. Um, um, nailed it. Wipeout. I think that's it. And then every oh, other watch show home that's economics. My friend Sashir's a maid of stars in it, and I guest star. And uh, I'm in two episodes, I think. And if you watch it, I get residuals. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I just absolutely adore you. Thank you for your time today. Jinx, thank you. For thank you for having me. me up. So much fun. Um, I assume that people can follow you at Nicole Byer. Yes, on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't get to my name soon enough. I- I'm the Jinx on Instagram because someone got it before me. Someone and got I- Jinx Monsoon before you? Uh, I can't get it anywhere. I can't. My gamer tag is Ginger Jinx because I can't get my own goddamn name. How it- wild! <laughs> Anyway, um, it, it's my problem. You don't concern yourself with it. I'll figure it out someday. Um, Nicole Byer, thank you so much. And thank, thank you. <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram <laughs> or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Forever. To listen to Hi Jinx ad free and one day early, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom. Hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Joseph Shepard, editing and sound designed by Will Pitts, and executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Big Dipper, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.